Hello and welcome to Working Graduates, a podcast for uh, professional graduates of the Landmark Forum. I am Scott Herbst. I'm the co-founder of LandmarkGrads.com and the host of the podcast. I'm really excited today because I am here with Mike Farraher, who is a self-expression leadership program leader, a writer, a screenwriter, a playwright, a producer, and the founder of Career Letters and Love Letters. And I am just really excited to have you here to talk about your business. I know we haven't known each other that long. And in the time that we have, you've just really shown up as someone who builds community and contributes to community. So I'm really excited to have you here to see what you can contribute to our community. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. And, um, you know, if that's the way I'm showing up, uh, I want to acknowledge you for being source of that, because really, um, I love the fact that there's a professional network of graduates that are like minded and like thinking that we can, you know, after you graduate out of a program, like, where do you go and how do you network for people? So I think what you do is, is super, super valuable. So I'm I'm thrilled to be part of any time you send an email out. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so let's get started. I think the first thing I'm interested in knowing is I'm always, I always want to know people's participation history. So when did you do the forum? How did you progress yeah. through it? Did you take time off? Did you come back? Go ahead. Well, it's interesting you should ask that because uh, this past weekend, the September 11th weekend, 9-11 was the Tuesday night of my landmark forum. Oh, wow. So, um, so the biggest, you know, of course, that that day means so many things to so many people. But for How me... How was that? Can I ask? Yeah. Well, for me, what I got out of it 20 years later was in the most difficult, thing, difficult harrowing circumstances. Yeah. You can always create possibility. Yeah. So like possibility and the worst circumstances can actually happen moment to moment and on the same day. So I got that from my Tuesday night participation in, in my forum, A. And then yeah. B, I got that from Landmark as an organization with how they pivoted because the, the New York Center was located in the World Trade Center. Yes. And, and it, it obviously got destroyed. And that night they did a Tuesday night of their landmark forum across the street from Penn station in New York, where the landmark New York office still is. So you want to talk about being unreasonable and being your word, the landmark organization showed all of us graduates that by saying, we're not going to let the circumstances of our building being destroyed, keep us from honoring our word and delivering the Tuesday night of the landmark forum. I don't think there's any company that, that that did that that day, but Landmark in Manhattan did, and and that was, you know, between what I got out of were completing it. Uh, no, I I did it in New Jersey, but what I was going to say is, even though I didn't complete it in New York, I was in the next center over, and we heard yeah, about that. So between right away, between what you got for yourself being in the room and the example that Landmark as a company was setting for all of us that really stayed with me even today that, you know, there's, it's all just circumstances and it's what are you committed to and what did you give your word to that propels you into action? So that's, I mean, that's really what I got out of my landmark forum 20 years on. 
which I don't think I would have gotten quite as poignantly had it not been for the fact that it happened on 9-11. You know, like, like I, I'm a medical supply distributor back then. And the morning of 9-11, I was sourcing body bags to be delivered to, nine, to, to, the, to the World Trade Center site. And then that night, you go to your Tuesday night and you're talking about possibility. You're like, how is that possible? And sure enough, it, it was. So that was, that's, that was that. I ran into my advanced course right after that, which is a bit of a blur. I took a little bit of time off after that. I went into the introduction leaders program, then eventually became a self-expression leadership program leader. And um, it has been a great journey ever since. It's really the source of this uh, fantastic life that I've been so very blessed with. Awesome. Being used by the distinctions really allows you to create this just marvelous, blessed life. How long have you been a self-expression leadership program leader? Uh, well, I was, I would say a total of 10 years between my apprenticeship. I think I took about two years off. So I started in 2010. So I've been off and on for about 10 years, including my apprenticeship. Wow. Wow. Thanks for doing that. That doesn't look like an easy program to lead to me. Well, none of them are. Uh, and easy is just a story, I guess, right? Or hard is just a story. But, you know, it's, it's a matter of, as a program leader, the biggest thing I got for myself is that when you focus, when I focus my attention to others yes. and cause others, my life works out. So you and I were talking before the tape rolled that you're a course supervisor. So yes. you know that, you know that experience yourself, course supervisor. Hello. You th think I have a hard job. <laughs> I know what you guys do in the back. That's a hard job. But I, I also know from course supervisors that when you have your focus over on other people's concerns, your own concerns get fulfilled. It's just this magic secret sauce of how our life works as graduates that sources me as a self-expression leadership program leader. I get it. It's, it's funny you say that. Uh, for years, I looked at core supervisors and I thought, no way. And then one of them shared with me that sometimes you have the experience when you're in the back of the room causing a course of disappearing and just being at cause. And yeah. I didn't know what that meant, except that whatever it was, I was like, okay, I want that. And that's what had me do the program. Awesome. awesome. Um, will you tell me a little bit about your business, uh, career, career letters and love letters? Sure. So, um, so in, in describing it, I would probably say that one of the, the biggest things I got out of my participation in Landmark's programs <clears throat> is courage and self-confidence. Yeah. Um, before I did the Landmark Forum, you know, we always have that first earliest, one of the earliest memories and how it shaped how you are today. Yes. One of my earliest memories was doing a memoir in the fifth grade with Sister Ruth in Jersey City. And when I got the paperback, I got an F and the word moron written in red pencil. Oh, my God. And at, and at that moment in the fifth grade, I said, I'm stupid. I'm inarticulate. What I have to say doesn't matter. 
I had this whole, you know, tight knot of stories. When I did the Landmark Forum, I realized that it was just that. It was just a story and it was it was just one woman's opinion. But that paper, figuratively and literally, was like on my head like a lead bib, yeah. not allowing anything, any new possibility to go in or or anything else like that. So I literally found my voice as a writer in my Landmark Forum. And that was back in 2004, uh, th uh, one. Uh, I've since written six novels. Uh, two plays off Broadway and two screenplays that no are kidding. kind of shopping around Netflix right now. So I, I, I think it's important to give that history that I didn't come out of the womb a writer. I might have come out of the room a writer, but then I got stopped in the fifth grade. And yeah. really my writing career formally began in my landmark forum. So with that as the context, my my companies are love letters and career letters and it's basically a copywriting service the love letter side of it is dating profiles mm -hmm. and the career side of it is uh, linkedin profiles resumes um, those kinds of things and even though they seem like very different things very disparate things what they share in common is that you are you're bringing out a version of somebody that they that's in there they may not know it's in there and you bring out this best self of somebody that they're confident they're deserving of love and the career they want so what i'm grateful for of this work especially is the writing of the dating profiles and the writing of the career profiles it's the listening of a program leader and a graduate of what's important to that person that then forms the words. So okay. as, an, as an example for my, for my dating profile business, my philosophy is you wanna make somebody smile or laugh in the first sentence because humor, studies show that both men and women find humor attractive in an opposite sex. So I can, I can get, I can get people to wink at you left and right. I can make people laugh online. I can do that. No problem. But if all I do is get them to wink and laugh at you online and take one date, and that's as far as it goes, because I didn't hit the mark to capture who you are. Yeah. And all I'm doing is providing you with a string of one dates because people are going to go, that's not what I signed up for. So it's really trying to capture the essence and the innate greatness and humor in people when you're yes. writing that dating profile. And then similarly with the career, uh, with the career and the resumes, I typically ask people to say, let's do an inventory here. What does your boss currently do? You know, most people walk through life going, oh, I could do my boss's job. All right, well, let's, let's take that down. Let's find your boss's job description online. Uh -huh. Let's compare and contrast that with what you actually do. And yeah. let's put that to the test. And more often than not, people are like, oh, my God, I actually could go for my boss's job. And it brings out, again, this confidence that's attractive, whether you're looking for a mate or whether you're an employer looking to hire an employee. People go, you know what? This guy's confident. This guy's asking for this job. I'm going to give it to him. So, again, they don't seem like they're really related, but they in some ways they're very much related. Um, 
in these two companies of what I do. I'm interested in that. I'm wondering if you could distinguish it. Um, and it's fine if you can't, because one thing I'm hearing is that there's the mechanics of writing a, and whether it's, you know, a personal ad or a LinkedIn resume, whatever, presenting yourself, right? Right. And you pointed to it, for example, start with something a little funny, put people at ease. You didn't say that, but, uh, but something. That's what that, I do. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting the sense because I'm getting the sense that the work you do with people in writing their profiles gets beyond just them having something to present themselves online. And I have a feeling that it gives them access to a way of seeing or knowing themselves that makes a difference for them. And here's why I'm saying that, just who they are and who they be in the world. And why I'm saying that is because dating profile won't get you a second date. Like yeah. who I'm being on the first date will get me a second date. Yeah. And, or, and, and you know, a profile might get you an interview. It won't get you the job. Right. You no, know, it's like who you're being in the interview. I'm curious if you could say something about that and the difference that working with you makes or not just presenting yourself on, you know, a web page, but like walking into an interview saying, yeah, I am actually suited for this job or right. yes, I am a great catch, you know? No, I think that's a, that's a great question and a great insight that you had there, Scott. So what I would say about that is that um, I don't, there's been times when I've, I've told people what I'm about to say, if you don't like what I'm about to say, I'm going to give you your money back. Yeah. Here's what's about to come. Here's about to, here's what's about to come out of my mouth. So let me back up. When I do a dating profile, as an example, I send a ten question sur- survey, and I have people write out what they're looking for, and I try to make that funny. Like, are you looking for a man seeking man, woman seeking woman, or surprise me? Makes people laugh and mm-hmm. yeah, sure, loosens them up, right? So when I get these surveys back, sometimes people will give me a long list of things they don't want. And what I'll come back to them with is I'll just say, hey, listen, permission to speak freely. And again, if you don't like what comes out of my mouth, I'll give you my money back. They go, sure. I said, you've given me all the things you don't want. You haven't said anything about what you want. And I'm very interested if I was going to be out there dating, I want to make sure that I have something to give you and you're going to contribute to me. That's how a successful relationship goes. So if you're so full of like, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. I've told people, you may not be ready to date. And then there's just like the blood drains from their face and they say, oh, well, I guess, you know, here's what I do like to do. And here's what I do like, and here's how, what I could contribute to somebody else. And that gets somebody talking. So, um, I, I think in working with people and, 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 you know, again, so grateful for Landmark's distinctions, it, it, it allows you for a pristine listen, listening of listening to what's important for people so that you can say, all right, I'm not hearing somebody that's ready to date. Because all these things that you're saying, I don't want this, I don't want this, this these are all walls. 
you got to knock yeah. down these walls. What do you want? What do you want to be contributed to? So I think in a roundabout way, I just answered your question, I hope, which is you provide more than just words and writing. You also provide a mindset that are you ready to do this? Are you ready to be out there to be attractive, to attract the attention you want and to be attractive to other people? And it's the same thing within a, uh, within a, um, you know, within a, the, the, the career part as well, when you're putting somebody's resumes and, and careers together, they have to really do some soul searching and say, all right, in five years, what kind of a job you want, do you want? And then we're going to be writing the job for your next role, but we also want to be like looking at your career path. And that allows that ask that demands for people to dream bigger than where they are right now. So that as Wayne Gretzky said, you skate to where the puck's at going to be, you know, skate to where the puck is going to be. So let's write that resume for this career path versus trying to land the next job that requires people to think bigger of themselves in the career side. And inside of my listening, I try to inspire people to think bigger of themselves on the dating side as well. That's awesome. What I'm hearing there is that you, you kind of do what you would expect from a program leader, honestly, which is to, guide people to actually take a look at how they're looking at the world and then suggest different ways of looking at it, whether it's the job you want, what you want in a partner, how you're even approaching relationships. And from there, like bringing a little awareness to that, like actually basically offering something else as possible, whether it's in terms of how they see themselves, how they see others, et cetera. Well, I, I think there's a trap of arrogance. So I, I heard the acknowledgement in what you said. Yeah. So thank you for that. And there's a trap of arrogance in what you said as well. And what I mean by that is, well, what I'm hearing is it's a program leaders listening that's providing that. And what I would say to that is what you and I have in common is that we're people who assist. Yes. And and it's really, you know, I'm, am, I, am I trained in a different discipline than some other people? Yes. Are you, you're trained in a different discipline other than mine? Yes, you are. But you actually graduate from the curriculum of living with that distinction of living life powerfully, living a life you love and listening to what's important for people because that's an enrollment conversation. That's a, yes. a registration conversation. So so I get your acknowledgement and it's yeah. not that that program leader is better than because I yeah. think yeah. so many graduates walk out of the landmark curriculum for living minted to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad you pointed out and thanks for the correction. And actually why I was pointing part of the reason I was pointing to it. One of my commitments is that people get something a little valuable here. Yeah. And, uh, and you've got a lot of training in that way of listening for sure. And fun, fundamentally, that's what you're doing is like being really gentle with people, but really straight too, at the same time and bringing a lot of compassion, a lot of love. Uh, I'm hearing like just relating to them, like they're already great. And 
all you're there to do is to have them express that. And that is something really anyone could do. Yeah, yes, yes. Because I think that, especially the design of these programs, there's so many of them that, um, there's so many of them that, especially the self-expression leadership program, which is the one that's nearest and dearest to me, you know, an enrollment conversation, um, you know, creates that new possibility for somebody. And, and it's inside of listening, really. It's inside of the listening um, that, that you, that others grant of you, that your environment calls for your greatness. So, you know, I think if you are a good listener and you listen for people big, you get that back. And that drives you, I know it drives me for better performance. And, you know, there's a, there's an environment that's calling me into being great when sometimes I don't feel like it. <laughs> I don't feel awesome. like being great today, you know, but I get it. <laughs> I have a, I have an environment. I have an environment that calls for it. Yeah. I, I, I listen to people big and they listen to me big. Yes. I am curious how, I'm curious how you got from medical supplies to publishing six novels. And I mean, I know there was some transformation there, but I'm just curious about what, how, how you woke up to that, what the process was. I'm really interested in the, the process of starting a book I, yeah. I guess I have a lot of questions, but say something about how you moved from it, distributing medical supplies to where you are now. Well, actually, um, I'm still in the medical field. That's my day job. And okay, the writing is still the writing is is sort of my. How, how should I say it? The writer, the writer is who I am. The yeah. medical supplies is what I do for a living. So I'm still doing that. But I think the question is. How do you do, how do you get started in writing? And there's a couple of, there's two things that, especially being Irish, um, Irish people are storytellers. Mm -hmm. I've, and I've yet to meet one that's not. And yet there's such a, a small percentage of people. I, I think I read somewhere once that 86% of the people on the planet either want to write a book or think they have a good book in them. I'm and certain. So, and so few of us actually get it done. Yeah. And what I, and again, very grateful for the distinctions for this, used for, by the distinctions. This isn't a Mike Farrer phenomenon. This is the distinctions at work. Um, there are two things that keep people from writing books, and it's this it's a lack of confidence and a lack of, lack of planning your work and working your plan. So in my case, there was a nun that gave me an F and a moron on a piece of paper, wrote it in red pencil, that crushed my confidence. I can't do this. And anybody that thought about writing a book, the next thing that comes into their head goes, yeah, but am I really a good writer? Yeah, but would anybody ever read this? Yeah, but it's gonna take so long to do. Yeah, but you know, how would I even get it published? So even before you start writing, people are talking themselves out of it because of a lack of confidence. That's nine tenths of the time. I've sat on the porch interviewing none other than Mary Higgins Clark, best suspense writer on the planet, God rest her soul, 
and Frank McCord, author of Angela's Ashes, they had bouts of confidence, best-selling authors. Everybody yeah. has them, period, full stop. The next part of it is, and I'll wait for the viewers or listeners at home to before I say what I'm about to say, you want to get a calculator out here because my books, you have a calculator now? We're going to do this live with, with Scott. My books, 200 pages are 50,000 words. So if yeah. you put 50,000 into a calculator and divide that by the number of days in a year, what do you get? I'm looking for it. You're looking for it. I have a new phone. I got an iPhone. All Everyone right. told well, me it would I'll, make me I'll, happy. It hasn't done that yet. I'll give you the answer. It's actually yeah, 100. It's 136 words a day. For so the, so how many years again? Two years? No, one. If one you year. do a, If you do 136 words a day, which is a couple of meaty paragraphs, if you do yeah. 136 words a day times 365 days a year, you will have enough content for a 200-page book. Which is now, about what you would see in an airport. You, you would do, you would do, how many, how many words a day do you write in an email? How many words a day do you write in a journal? I don't even, you know, like you, you think on about a Facebook it. post on a Facebook post. I mean, this is like two long Facebook posts a day times 365 days in a year. And you have a book or the contents for a book. Of course you have to add it and everything else. But so the point is, is that um, putting the time on your calendar and then relating to that, like it's a cardiologist appointment and you just had a stent put in, uh, that's the first thing. And then the second yeah. thing is, um, which is again, grateful for the distinctions. It's every time you have that, um, that, uh, that swirl around your head that I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I have a lack of confidence. Um, pardon my, pardon my, uh, scatological language. I call that the, uh, itty bitty shitty committee in your head. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just say, thanks for sharing and you keep doing it. So that's the answer of how you become a writer. I am telling you, I, I could pull out my kindergarten through, uh, senior year of college report cards. I graduated some come lucky. I'm not uh -huh. somebody that's like super intelligent and all that. Uh, so I'm would probably have been voted uh, least likely to be articulate and writing books, plays, and screenplays. So it did not come from, you know, <laughs> it came from planning more my work and working my plan and taking those bouts of confidences and breaking the back of them. That's, it's pure and simple. Awesome. And can you say a little bit about planning your work and working your plan? Yeah, well, planning your work and working your plan looks like this. So let's say, for instance, you look at, I'm a slow writer, say, right? You're going to be yeah. wow, two, pa two paragraphs. That's going to take me about a half hour. Okay, great. Put a half hour a day on your calendar. Now, for that trusty iPhone that you were trying to fish for, iPhones, Galaxies, other devices, whatever, there's usually a 15 minute reminder that it's coming up. Yeah. So, or you could set it to a half hour. And maybe what you need to do is when that 30 minute reminder or 15 minute reminder stops, uh, hits, stop what you're doing, 
meditate for 10 minutes, color in an adult coloring book for 10 minutes, doodle for 10 minutes, walk the dog for 10 minutes, whatever you need to do, 15 minutes, so that when the buzzer hits and you go for your half hour, you've, you're ready to write for a full 30 minutes. So plan your work, work in your plan looks like not only the 30 minutes that you're going to actually write, but if you need another 30 minutes to get in the zone to write, put that on your calendar as well. Yeah. I need to meditate. I need to draw a, a warm bath. Whatever you need to do to get the creative muse and tie it down, put that on the calendar as well. That's what I tell people, you know, that for me, I mean, I could write 136 words as quick as I could say 136 words. And then there's some times when it 136 words a day is really slow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even as even as somebody as experienced as myself in it. So you really want to plan your work and work your plan around it put like that. Can I ask you a little technical question about writing? Yeah. How do you approach a novel? I'll bet this is something like like eating an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah, I'm well. So so as an, so as an example. Yeah, please. So as an example, um, and I tell this to a number of graduates and non-graduates, because the first part of it is really starting the discipline of writing, right? So yes. you know, it's like, well, people go 136 words a day. That's pretty easy. No, you're going to put that in your calendar. And like I said, you're going to put time on your calendar to write and time on your calendar to prepare yourself to write. That's easier said than done. Assuming you do that, here's what I tell people to do. Yeah. For 90 days, you're going to do that. Now, you have your choice. You can write the same continuum story, uh-huh. or you can write 90 different things on a page. And at the end of 30 days or 90 days, whatever it is, you now have 30 to 90 new ideas. And any one of those can be a fictional novel. Or any one of those could be like the, the spoke of a wheel of a memoir. So people go, okay, what am I going to write about? Actually, you, you don't know, maybe, if you're asking, what do I write about? Like, I'm going to write my life story. Okay, great. You're going to write your life story. Then... There's a book called The Story of My Life. It's available on Barnes and Noble. It's literally a blank, a blank book with writing uh-huh. prompts. So yeah. write, buy, buy one of those. It's it's on it's on most Barnes and Nobles. I think it's on the clearance rack for like $6.99. I was there last night. You could buy one of those, and there's a writing prompt at the very top of the page. And whatever that writing prompt says, start scribbling. Mm-hmm. Just to get the muscle and the writing discipline down is what I tell people. Um, now, some people know already, look, I, I have a sci-fi novel in my mind and I'm going to do this, this and this. Great. Then, you know, there's no. Uh, it, it really isn't just about doing it. Um, if you're asking me about how to write a book, you know, there are some writers that write an outline. They put the bones of the skeleton down on the carpet and then they sure. fill the skeleton with meat yeah and and skin and then they make a, a walking thing that's how some people do it for me um i kind of have like 
I start every every writing session with the words "What if," and I look uh -huh. at the previous page. What if? Okay, well, I I ended it here. Okay, well, what if they did this? What if I did this? So, there have been times when I've written my own novel, and I can't sleep at night because I don't know how I'm going to end it. And you're excited an, to find out what happens. I'm excited. I'm as excited as any reader to find out what happens next. Now that's me personally. Yeah. The, the other person would have already put the bones together and just filling in the meat. They already know how it ends. They probably have a book two in mind and a book three. I've met sure. plenty of writers that are just as effective doing that. So there's sure. no right or wrong way to do it, but you have to start by starting. Yes. Well, I, I love your approach and I have a feeling that people will appreciate hearing it because personally, one thing that has stopped me, cause I have a dream to be a writer. I'm actually working on a book right now. Right. Um, one thing that stopped me in the past is not knowing exactly where it's heading. And so to hear just a strategy for dealing with that or that it's okay to not know where it's heading. That, I mean, so that's something that stops me. It's like, well, I don't know where it's going. And then I'll get stopped trying to figure out where it's going instead of what you said, which is to just get going. Well, the other thing too, which is kind of funny is that um, writers, um, writers, if anybody thinks my books are good, they have to see the first draft uh -huh. and then see see the final version of it. Yeah. You'll soon discover that you're only as good as your editor. Uh huh. Because the editor sometimes will not only correct the grammar, but they'll see things that you don't see. Yeah. Or they'll say, all right, this character's pretty weak. And you're like, oh man. So that's another thing about landmark distinctions that i would say is really important it's being coachable yeah it's being coachable so that you know um i've had i've had uh i've had all editors that say this this character doesn't work this character is arrogant i have this i have two editors i have a male and a female editor dear friends of mine and both of them have the one of them said in my last novel as a woman this character turned my stomach. Mm. It's arrogant. It's misogynist. And I know it just will turn off half your population. And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't mean it that way. Well, yeah, it showed up arrogant. It, this just doesn't work. Now, she just told me my baby was ugly. You have to yeah. be coachable to say, okay, she's committed not only as a friend, but as an editor to put the best book out of me. So you're either going to listen to what they say and you're going to listen to a point until you go, no, this is the way I want to say it. But um, coachable, you have to be coachable that an editor can contribute to you. And yes. as, an, as an arrogant Leo, that is not my fixed way of being that I've learned through taking Landmarks classes, but I've also learned through uh, editors uh, continually working on my my stuff so i would say that as well very cool i just i mean i also hear in that opening yourself up to community 
And yeah, yeah. And the mean, community I mean, really like letting your community contribute to you. Which yes, yeah. yeah. Well, that that's very astute. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's great, and you're listening because it's true. I, I think you are very much being coachable is allowing your community contribute to contribute. And then what I also really love about this is that, um, speaking of community, what lights me up as a writer nowadays is that my words put other people to work. So mm. when I do a play or when I do a short film, I've written the script and to look around and watch the lights get set up and the audio people get set up and the actors running through yeah. their lines. And you're like, holy crap, none of uh -huh. this would have happened without a script. Yeah. And then, and then what's a really cool moment is that when you wrote a script that you think is pretty hot and then it gets in the hands of an actor and they twist the phrase or they perform it in a different way, especially at a table read or even in front of the camera. And you're like, oh man, go, go with it. That's better uh -huh. than I wrote, you know, yeah. and to be, to be, I guess, humble. I don't know if that's the word humility, but, but to be humble enough that you can be contributed to like that too, like to, to say to yourself, well, that, that was better than what I wrote. So let's keep that in the take. Um, for my first film, it was called McLean Avenue. Um, I had three comedians in my, in my cast. And I wrote something, I mean, I'm not going to be you know, shy about it. I'm a funny writer. Yeah. My script was very funny. That's why three comedians signed up to do it. Yeah. And what I told the comedians is I said, I'm going to quote, I, it's either Johnny Cash or Bob Dylan. I can't, I don't know who said it, but they said this. To break the law, you first have to know the law. So I said to them, I expect you to know the script. I expect you to know your lines. I expect you to deliver your lines. And then on take two, three, or four, if you can just riff on them and do them better than I did it, let's see what happens. So I remember this one comedian was a priest in the in the show and he did a sermon so he delivered the sermon as i wrote it yeah and then take two or three he was a comedian he just did this thing around gluten-free and celiac disease and it was like we were wet in our pants laughing at it we ended up going with take two which was his sermon which was funnier than mine uh-huh so so what's really cool about that as a writer where i am today is that it allows you're creating the bed in which other creative people lie on. Yes. That they can then be fully self-expressed in what they're doing, being that a, a lighting guy or, or an audio guy or a, or a director or an actor, or, you know, you're allowing their creativity to be, it's lying on the bed of your words that they can then be fully self-expressed in whatever they do. That to me is like, Amazing, and I will also say I have a new I have a new book called The Last Temptation of Mary that I released last week, uh -huh. and one of my one of my good friends released his first book the same day, and it's called Shine a Light. His name is Seamus Kelleher. He's a blues guitarist, and he wrote about addiction and and life on the road. I'm actually more excited about his book than mine 
because like I coached him to write a book and to have other people be self-expressed around you through yeah. either your, your coaching or your words, that gives me life. Yeah, I got it. Totally. We have a few more minutes left here. Um, I am curious. The, the one other thing I'm kind of curious about is how you how you started your business coaching people around their profiles or writing profiles for people. And, well, I'm a yeah. I'm kind of like not a like funny... filing the LLC paperwork, but yeah, maybe discovering that there was a need, uh, discovering that you could provide for that need. It, it's interesting to me. Well, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a comedy writer, funny New York writer. A lot of times my wife would dispatch me to a bar and I'd write on the back of a cocktail napkin, a dating profile for somebody that just broke up with somebody, one of her friends or something. Uh -huh. So I've been doing that for like 10 or 15 years, but here's okay. a great story. Here's a great story about distinctions at work, landmark distinctions at work. Um, on June 26th uh, of last year, 2020, yeah. um, I lost my job and I lost my mother-in-law to COVID on the same day. Oh, wow. And um, by any stretch of the imagination, I don't, have, I don't care how transformed you are, that's a crappy day. Yeah. Right? And so we're sitting there, my wife and I, and she's also a graduate, Barbara, we're sitting there with a glass of wine and we acknowledged that this was a crappy day. And then we both looked at each other and we said, we could spend the rest of the year grieving because I had a nice severance package. Mm -hmm. We could spend the rest of the year grieving. Nobody, nobody think less of us, right? You're, you're grieving a loss of a job and a mother. We could do that right now, or we can choose to create the rest of the year powerfully. We have that choice to do that right now. Yeah. And we both chose to like, no, we're not going to write off the rest of the year. We're going to choose right now to have our grief, but not have our grief poison the rest of the year. Yeah. And what we did was we had our grief and we just, we started a brainstorm and, and, and created that business. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I, okay. I got it. it it's really like, okay. It's the a choice that you were just a, kind of living into a, a large part of it got pulled out. What are we going to create? And it's a moment by moment choice. I mean, that's a pretty significant, big, dramatic moment. But, it, you know, it's, we face that every day. What are you going to create today? What are you going to create today? What's your choosing today? What kind of a day are you choosing? What are the possibilities you're going to create in that day? What actions are you taking behind those possibilities? rinse rather repeat it's like on the shampoo bottle which you may not know much about since i see that you're follically not a lot of hair up there i, I used to have long golden tresses you're kidding believe me. it or not you should you should see this guy now he's a very handsome man and i'm getting lex luther uh, dr evil vibes because there's no hair there uh yeah no it started falling out when i was uh, i had long hair I have it too. Look, can you look at that? You look at that big crown there. The 
the top and the bottom you of the hair. You can still I'm get right away with you. a haircut, though. Mine is like, if I let it grow, it's like a burned forest up there, man. I don't know if you've driven by there was like a recent forest fire. It's just like little, little, is it little sprigs? Hairs I hate, out I hate here and there. Um, I it started falling I, out when I was like 20, probably. And I did have long hair. I had to cut it to student teach. And that's uh, cool. When I got a haircut, it, it was like, oh, okay, I've got some widow peaks. Or a little thin up here. Yeah. By the time I was 25, it was I was just like buzzing it. So I haven't. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't uh, used shampoo and probably. But the shampoo bottle, rinse, lather, repeat around creating yeah. yourself and creating a possibility and taking actions consistent with that possibility. That's our work. Yep. You know, that's really it. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share before? Well, there could oh, be. A, and I ask you, you know, how maybe, people can get in touch with you. I was just going to say, maybe just some gratuitous plugs. Yeah, um, plug away. <laughs> so I have uh, actually three uh, websites if you want to get in touch with me. This is your brain on shamrocks.com. That gives you an access to my books. This is your brain on shamrocks.com. Um, my love letters is lovelettersprofiles.com. And my my uh, career part is careerletters.com. And you can look those up on Facebook and Instagram. They all have handles, as the kids say. Um, and yeah, and then I guess is uh, in this age of Zoom, which is interesting, you never know if I'm going to be your, your program leader. Uh, my last program actually for my SELP was actually uh, sourced out of the, uh, the Chicago Center. So oh, no kidding. I was I was I was a Chicago SELP leader for a hot minute there. No kidding. <laughs> thanks. Thanks to the uh, thanks to the reach of Zoom. Awesome. And we will put your websites in the show notes so cool. people can find that there. And at least your most recent book, The Last Temptation of Mary. Yes. Very good. Uh, all right. Well, again, we have just spent the last 40 or so minutes with Mike Ferraher and uh, self-expression leadership program leader, founder of loveletters.com and loveletters.com. And it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Mike. Thanks so much for being with us. Great talking to you as well. And again, Scott, thanks for everything you're doing with, uh, with this network that continues to literally a network of graduates that we can all support one another and be listening for one another. And life is a lot easier when you've got transformed people in your office and your church and your communities. And thanks for fighting the good fight to get that done. Awesome. All right, Mike, we'll see you around. And um, thank you to all our listeners for listening. Bye everybody. Bye. The Landmark Forum is a registered trademark of Landmark Worldwide and Landmark Grads, who brought you this podcast today, is not affiliated with Landmark Worldwide in any capacity. Thank you.